since the 28th of July, 2021. And now we have the opportunity to cultivate samadhi, bringing our minds to firmness, to stability. And so this firmness, this firm establishment of the mind, or samadhi, it's um, a kind of dhamma. And it's the dhamma which brings about this stability. So why do our minds need this? Why do they need to have firmness or stability to them? It's because the nature of this mind or this knowing element is that when it cognizes or receives a sense impression, then it will always be proliferating based upon that. That if it's a sense impression that it finds to be pleasing, then it will proliferate in one way. And if it finds it displeasing, it will proliferate in another way. And its nature simply is to be like this. And in that case, or in that state, the mind is simply unable to gain knowledge, true knowledge, and know in line with the truth. And it's like a pool of water, and the water is still and clear. But if there's a storm that blows in, or if someone comes and splashes and disturbs that water, then the sediment on the bottom will rise, and it will get mixed in with that water, and it loses its clarity. And when the water is no longer clear, and we simply aren't able to see right to the bottom of the pool, and we need to give it time for that sediment to settle in order for the water to regain its clarity. Or perhaps we need to take some chemicals like alum, and when we put this into the water, then all the sediment falls and the water becomes clear again. And so these minds of ours, if we train them well in samadhi, if they become firmly established, then with any sense impressions which arise within them, we see them with clarity. And we're able to do that because of this firmness, the stability of our minds. That that's what allows us to be able to contemplate. Well, there's another simile that uh, we could give, uh, one that Lumpucha taught about. He said it's like in a house, there's only one chair there. And if anyone comes to visit, any guests come, then if we're sitting on that chair ourselves, then the guests have no place to sit. And so it's these guests are like the sense impressions which come into the mind. Um, that, that if we maintain our mindfulness, we maintain our awareness, then they don't have a place to sit. They can enter into the heart, but they can't affect it in any way due to the strength of the mindfulness, due to the stability of the samadhi. And upon those, then, wisdom can arise. And we have a knowledge that's up to speed with all of these sense impressions, that knows them as they arise. And we can see that there's just arising, persisting and ceasing within all of these. That that's the nature of all of these sense impressions that arise, those that gain entry through our eyes, through our ears, our nose, our tongue, our body, or those which arise within the heart itself. That when we know them, and we know them in time, 
they're not able to affect our minds. And so we should train ourselves in this way, bringing about opeka, this equanimity within our hearts. And when the mind hasn't gone off into liking or disliking, attraction or aversion, this is the state of equanimity. And this gives us uh, a lot of energy. And when this upeka has power to it, um, then it will make our samadhi even more firmly established. And this upeka, then, this equanimity, it turns into a kind of dhamma as well. A dhamma which is one of the bojankas, one of the factors for awakening, one of the factors which will allow us to know the dhamma. When our samadhi is well and firmly established, then at times joy will arise, happiness will come up within the heart. And then we can take this inner happiness and this um, equanimity as well to contemplate in order to gain an understanding that we can pay attention to and place our minds upon one aspect of the Dhamma and analyze that, contemplate it well. But if the mind doesn't have the sati, doesn't have mindfulness, if samadhi isn't firmly established, then the heart will always be chasing after all of these sense impressions. But if we have this mindfulness, however, it will perceive these in their true light, that there is something changing, something that's inconstant. And this mindfulness, it helps to care for our minds, to protect our minds, to stop them from being heedless. So when we have mindfulness in this way, then sampajanya, um, this clear knowing, arises as well. And perhaps at times we'll see things externally as just arising, persisting and ceasing. Though we can see this body as just being a collection of elements. And we may see clearly into that, that it's not self. At times there are sankharas uh, which condition the mind and which push up all this proliferation. But, and this creates, this causes the mind to arise and cease. But we should um, see this and be aware of this and know what states are arising within the mind. Know whether there's lust, there, raga, there. Know whether there's anger or dosa. Know whether there is this delusion, this moha. And see how these things arise and cease. And that they're not truly real, but they just arise and cease. And that's the nature of all phenomena, to be this way, to just come and go. This is how nature is. But the important thing is for us to gain wisdom. And in order for us to gain this wisdom, we need to have created barami, our spiritual virtues, uh, to bring this about. And these spiritual virtues need to be in a complete state. So we start off with dana, this generosity and sacrifice, building up these skillful actions in this way. And in the current state of the world, those people who are intelligent, um, they will sacrifice and help one another out and give their assistance through their acts of body, speech and mind to help those who are in states of suffering. And so there is this kindness there to help each other out and there's compassion as well. This metta or kindness, it gives us thoughts that we want to help all beings to be happy. 
But when those beings are experiencing suffering, it shows that the happiness has gone already, that this difficulty, the sorrow has arisen. So there are thoughts which come up which, uh, that we want to free them from the suffering. We don't want them to have suffering. And when they're freed from it, when they have happiness, then we're pleased for them as well. And we wish for them to not be separated from any good fortune, any happiness that they've gained. So therefore we must train our minds so that they are firmly established, so they're stable, so they have this quality of samadhi. And then this samadhi, it develops into wisdom. And really everyone wants wisdom. And this wisdom, it's knowledge, isn't it? And we may um, study in order to gain uh, this knowledge. And as children, we want to have knowledge. Or children want to be wise as well. And at least they want to be able to keep up with their friends. And maybe they're not really skilled or adept at everything, at every subject, but at least to be able to pass and get on to the next grade. And if we can do this, if we can get through, then that's good already. But this requires wisdom. We need to have wisdom to be able to do that. And a really important form of wisdom is that which allows us to live our lives well, to make our way in this world. And some people may not have a lot of academic knowledge. They may not have studied very much, but they do have practical knowledge, um, knowledge that they can put to use, put into work. And so we have one kind of profession that we do. And... Um, when we are engaged in this, then we should try to be skilled in this as well. And skilled so that we can um, develop our lives, so that we can live in this world. In order to be skilled at our profession, we need to train as well. And in this present day and age, things change very quickly. Um, and every kind of work is concerned with technology. And we just can't do things in the old-fashioned way. It just doesn't go. So we need to adapt, we need to change, we need to change ourselves. And this ability to do that is a form of wisdom. But a higher form of wisdom still is that of gaining knowledge into the Dhamma. And when we gain this knowledge, then this will be able to solve all of the sorrow, all of the suffering there. So those people who have developed um, a lot of Bharami, who are very fortunate, who have created a lot of merit, um, that they need to have created all of these things a lot in the past. And when they've done that, then in this present life, then they'll be born into a very good or high family. But that kind of birth that they gain, it shows that they've created a lot of barami in the past in order to gain that. That they've been generous before, They've kept morality before. They've already practiced and cultivated their hearts a lot before. And um, they've developed this wisdom already. And when they have all these qualities, then they'll have an interest in developing samadhi, in meditating, in practicing. So for all of us practitioners, that um, we do have this interest in meditating, in training ourselves in samadhi, and what that shows is that we've cultivated a lot of merit already. But it's normal for everyone who is born into the world 
that we're born in a deluded state and we get lost by the ways of the world and caught in them. But when we see the drawbacks in that, when we see the dangers there, then we'll return to training our hearts, to cultivating samadhi. Because we want this wisdom. We want to be able to solve our suffering. So therefore, how is it that wisdom arises? The fully self-awakened Buddha, he explained that this wisdom can only occur if we have minds which are firmly established, which are settled. So we need to bring them to a meditation object, this kamatana. So whether we are meditation monks or meditation lay people, we must do this, we must train ourselves in mindfulness. And we need to have this basis of our work um, for our minds to be firmly established in this. So just like any building that we established externally, whether it's a house, whether it's a dharma hall or a jetty, um, any kind of building, especially if they're very tall buildings, they need to have very strong and large foundations to them. So wisdom is the same. It needs the strong foundation of samadhi. So whether we are standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we should try to maintain our mindfulness, to not just abandon sati, to not let it go. Because if we do that, if we chat a lot, if we sleep a lot, if we eat a lot, then this will destroy all of our peace of mind. And that's because the mind has gone off into delight or attraction uh, towards sights and sounds and tastes, odors, tactile sensations. So we must bring our minds back and train them and establish mindfulness well. To be composed, to be cautious, to keep the mind within the bounds of its meditation object, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down to maintain our mindfulness, and to be practicing meditation, to be bringing the mind to meditation, to its meditation object. And this works to bring about inner stillness. And when the mind has been brought to a place of stillness and quiet, then it doesn't get involved in liking and disliking. And we understand that this here is the path that will take us to seeing the Dhamma. When the mind is quiet and still, then it will see that this body is not really a self, it's not me or mine. And through this it sees the Dhamma. And this is exactly what the Buddha taught. Um, that form is not self, or mentality is not self. And when the mind is still, then we'll be able to see the truth of that. And is this difficult to do? Well, it's not difficult. It's not easy. It's just right. It's just how it is. And when the mind is still and peaceful, then at that point it will see the Dhamma. So we must train our minds well, and train them to or train ourselves to develop a lot of merits, to be with our meditation objects a lot. And whatever the case, we must be cautious as well. And especially in the present time, everyone needs to be cautious, needs to be circumspect. And we can't live our lives like we did before. We need to have a lot of mindfulness. We need to try to protect ourselves from external dangers, from Um, viruses or illnesses, and it's really important for us to do this. Um, But really, we need to understand that the reason that we're able to get sick, the reason that these viruses are able to affect us is because we have a self, (coughs) because we have a body. (coughs) 
And if we didn't have a body, then where would these viruses, where would these um, illnesses or germs arise in? Well, they come up within humans. So we should contemplate this well. We should not be heedless. We should study and bring about wisdom. So initially we found ourselves in generosity, and then we care for our precepts well. And then next we come to cultivate the mind um, to develop this meditation. So if we're generous, then this will um, help us in our future lives so that we're not lacking in any material things. And then this generosity, the things that we give away, this becomes um, our requisites or what we can use to travel um, to Nibbāna. The sila that we keep prevents us from falling into lower realms, into states of woe or deprivation. And then it's also normal that the mind will be thinking a lot. The mind proliferates and goes to think about this and that all over the place. And we can control that uh, through our meditation practice. So when we train our bodies in order to bring about strength, we do that through exercise. And all of us know this well. But in order to exercise our minds, we need to stop them from moving. And it's the stillness which brings strength about within the heart. And so it's the opposite to the body. And it's the body, we need to move it, we need to exercise it in order to make it strong. So therefore we should train, train these minds in order to bring about inner strength. To really be sincere in cultivating wisdom in order to perceive arising, lasting and ceasing. And through perceiving this, then we'll see into the Dhamma. And so we take this Dhamma as our highest refuge. And so may all of you be sincere in this. <laughs>